Yes, welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast as we get to, uh, well, very pointy end of the Super Rugby season. The first week of the finals is uh, upon us. We'll talk a bit about that today with Sam Worthington and Christy Doran from foxsports.com.au. Gentlemen, welcome. Good afternoon, Nick. Good afternoon. You're right. Pointy end of the season, isn't it? Just one Australian team left. Only mm. one. Only one, which uh, brings us to a discussion about the Waratahs and the Rebels. We'll get to that in just a moment. But today, Tom Banks uh, from the Brumbies is standing by to uh, have a chat. So I'll have a, a chat with Tom shortly. Also, Justin Harrison, who's in the middle of his gold-blooded tour. The classic Wallabies are uh, going the length and breadth of Australia to, uh, to spread the word and uh, to spread the rugby gospel. And Jason Gilmore from the uh, highly successful... Australian under 20 so far, anyway, they are into uh, the under 20s World Cup final in Argentina. So, some good signs How for good. the future of Australian rugby. How bloody good. Excellent news, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Terrific performance. Oh, yeah. Is this just you being starstruck because you're a Kiwi, Sam? It's, no, look, he's still finally filthy. Did, still yeah. filthy. The, Didn't the, make the playoffs. The baby box are gone. Yeah, we got. Uh, got Beaten by Wales this morning as well. I'm getting sledged by uh, Jack, our resident Welshman, in the uh, mm. on the website. But uh, no, terrific um, effort from Australia, and they did it again with with 14 men, which was quite remarkable. But yeah, uh, had a good catch up with uh, with Jason over there in Argentina. Yeah, and the decider against um, against France on the on the big stage two, again. Two thirty a.m. Sunday morning, Australian Eastern Standard, is it not? Four thirty a.m. Don't set those alarms for for two thirty. No. <laughs> well, you can if you want to just get <laughs> an wanna, early start. You want a big premium? <laughs> you know, if you want to stretch, <laughs> stretch. Probably better rate. not to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, so, it, just quickly before we get to Tom, it, it is worth just um, mentioning uh, the fade out, I guess, of uh, of the Waratahs. And uh, against the Highlanders in Invercargill, and also the Rebels, who put in a performance that, as an organisation, I'm sure they are keen to uh, forget um, a- against the Chiefs on Friday night. They only had to, well, for the last three or four weeks of the comp, the Rebels only had to win one and they were in. They couldn't manage to do it. In the last two weeks, they led in 125 points, uh, the Crusaders and the Chiefs combined. Um, so, you, you know, what for the, the Rebels going forward in, in 2020? What do they need? Yeah, it's they need a lot of a lot of things by the looks of it. It's it's, it's remarkable that um, that the team with so many strong names on paper capitulated like they did. And, and Dave Vessels, um, yeah, he was very brutally honest about it, uh, admitting that the team was was soft and. Um, oh, they need a bit of starch in the forward pack, but you, you look at it and there's guys like you know guys like Rungi and guys like Coleman and 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 Philip like they're, they're not exactly pushovers or anything. And then you've got an international halves pairing. So I must admit, with um, being being up here in Sydney away from it or not not seeing how they work day in day out at the Rebels, it's it's hard to know just how how things went wrong because they they love to talk about how they had a. a tight-knit culture brewing and, and doing lots of fun stuff off the field and, and getting close to each other. And I, I think all that stuff is true and genuine, but it's just not translating on the field when time gets tough. So is that, that is something that they will work on in the off-season, no doubt, and I'm sure that review has begun already as they, they look for answers. But the more immediate question, uh, how has the back half of their season affected some of their wallaby hopefuls? And, and you know, on a personal level, are we perhaps seeing guys in the first half of the season, who looked destined for the World Cup, maybe going to be sitting back here in Australia watching it on, on Fox Sports? 
You'd have to think so. You'd have to think so because clearly they'd won four from their last 13 matches, I think it was, and, and those four wins came against Queensland and the Sunwolves. So from a Rebels perspective, you're going, well, who, who are you beating really? And looking at the back line, which is where a lot of those international names that you were thinking of that were going to be there, they might not. I think obviously Willie Gennie is going to be there um, and you, you're going to see Dane Halepetti pop up there and, and those two are certainties. Dane Halepetti you think as well, but guys like Jack Maddox who will be pushing for the 31-man squad, these guys are all going to probably get in this extended squad when they when they come together on Sunday, but there are some players like Quade Cooper who you start thinking when you're only going to take two fly halves probably um, and or at at the very most three, but the third would want to be playing inside centre as well. Um, do you take Christian Leofano and, and Bernard Foley? After all, Leofano's led them to the, the the conference title win, six wins on the trot. Uh, you know they're flying. So, would 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 you be uh, so brutal as to say that perhaps Izzy Nicerani was the only player uh, on Friday night who who would have gone anywhere near? Enhancing his Wallaby chances, or is that is that a bit harsh? Oh, no, I think that's entirely fair. Yeah, he was a real standout, wasn't he? He kept going for eighty minutes and was really putting in. It was one of his best games of the season, probably in a losing cause. And, and yeah, Czech has already had massive raps on him. So yeah, I think SE uh, will certainly be there in the mix. But mm. I think the selectors also will be intelligent enough to say, look, there's there's still a lot of talent in that back line, and how would they look if they were working behind the Brumbies pack, who's going great guns at the moment? It, it, does change the complexion a lot. So I'm sure they will still look at each individual and their own skill sets rather than just throwing out the whole, the, uh, the baby with the bathwater when it comes to the Rebels. But certainly some of the, the fringe guys, I think Quaid's in, in big trouble now. I think um, Billy Meeks is in trouble. Um, who else? Luke, Luke Jones, I think, um, unfortunately went pretty quiet towards the end of the season. So guys like that, yeah, I think they, they will be struggling now. Reese Hodges' comments were, were interesting, and he's another bloke who's going to be in that extended squad for sure and, and probably make the 31-man the trip given his versatility. But he, he was very blunt, uh, his comments post-game, which were published on Sunday where he was talking about the fact that, you know, that their performances over the last three weeks might have cost their, their jobs and then they'll have to – or their World Cup spots and they will have to live with, with that and knowing that, you know, they, they weren't good enough. So He, he was blunt and sore. I think he uh, had a rib or two that um, that were very, very sore by the end of the game the other night. So I uh, hope he's feeling okay this week. Just a quick word on the Tars, and, and they're in the middle of their review at the moment. Um, and well, the pressure has come very quickly back onto Daryl Gibson, despite the fact he is con- uh, contracted for another year. Will we see Daryl Gibson at the Tars in, in 2020? I'm starting to think just the way things are falling that uh, maybe not. Like it, you look at the entirety of his record, and it really isn't flash for one of the proud provinces that that won a title not long ago, and, and has had made the um, semis last year. Yeah, made the semis, so that's that's his one good season in, in charge. But even that, it wasn't the most. Uh, not exactly the it strongest, wasn't convincing strongest winning record. They they you know had the benefit of the conference system and home and home final. So yeah, I, I the, the more it, I look at it, I, I think we may see a real clean out and new coaching staff next season as well. Don't don't ask me who, but there's huge changes afoot. There's some big name players off contract. We don't know what Bernard Foley, Kurtley Beale are doing just yet. Um, obviously Michael Hooper will be there to lead the charge, but other than that, it's really looking big question marks. The departure of Simon Cron though, and he 
he, and he's confirmed he's going to Japan and he's going to probably be working with Steve Hansen, even though that's not official just yet. But the re, like him going effectively means that if I think if if Dara wants to stay, then I think he will stay because they're not going to be giving it to Chris Whitaker. Um, Steve Tandy uh, no, has got it, a lot of if it was to happen, it'd, the board. Be, it'd be an outside, it'd be an outside gig, you, outside job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it would be a it'd be a pretty big clean out if that was the case. Maybe you just cut it uh, at twenty twenty. But it it wouldn't help them recruiting though if you don't know who's going to be there for maybe for next year. But even if Daryl's leaving next year, does a player want to sign on a long term contract if they don't know who the coach is going to be beyond twenty twenty? Mm. It's such a fluid marketplace, and it all hinges on the World Cups. You know that you look at the the if it's a house of cards or whatever, the, it all falls from the, the the top and what the big dogs do um, after the World Cup with their, their test jobs, and then there's just so many moving parts mm. um, that come after that. So. Yeah, everyone these days has got contracts that can be broken. So, um, yeah, we we we, Very true. we could end up with um, yeah with a completely new setup at the Waratahs next season potentially. You two are the wordsmiths. Is it um, is it ironic in some sense that the that the vision for twenty twenty is not clear? Uh, yes, we'll go with yes. <laughs> well, Word, words bear, bear with me. Um, all right. Neither of you got that. That's fine. Um, we'll, we'll move on. Um, the uh, the next guest, the first guest this week, you've thrown me. I thought you were better than that. Um, Tom Banks from the Brumbies. Tom, welcome to the podcast and happy birthday, mate. Oh, good. Thanks for having me. What is it, 24, 25 today? 25 today, so, wow. yeah. You're getting old. Nice yeah, getting there. It's not, not the younger anymore. Um, and, uh, and a nice way to celebrate, I guess, heading into, uh, into Super Rugby Finals. What, what's that all like at the moment, considering that you are on such a roll, the Brumbies? Yeah, I think that was over the last probably sort of ten weeks has been such a such a buzz around the team. I think um, it's, it's probably showed in our performances, um, and obviously we've we found a bit of momentum. We just need to keep that rolling. Tom, when do you when do you think that momentum kind of started, or do you think all year it's been such a happy camp down there in Canberra? Um, no, no, definitely not. Probably the start of the year, as probably I think Dan mentioned it earlier earlier in the year that um, that loss we had up in Queensland sort of sort of jolted our season because we um we we weren't really happy with uh, sort of the the footy we were producing. But then after that, we sort of reviewed hard and then. We sort of started to click as a team and then sort of game by game we started to get stronger and um, we've just been testing our skills, pushing ourselves at training and I think we've, um, we've come to come together quite nicely. Hey Tom, just on just quickly on that because you're right, Dan has talked about that game against Queensland and, and he's he's referenced um, sort of preparation uh, and, and a little bit of professionalism. What was happening before that week? Were you kind of some of the guys cutting cutting corners, were looking for shortcuts? What, what was it that... that uh, wasn't happening that that did happen after that discussion. Um, I don't think it was too much of cutting corners. I think it was more just in terms of getting getting your detail in for the week and then sort of just prepping just prepping every game like it's the same. Like you just want to be your, you want to be your best every week. And I don't think uh, sort of away games and home games were probably chopping and changing in the way we sort of in the way we sort of did things. So we just we sort of stripped it back and then just looked at. Looked at things that worked for, for for a few of the more experienced guys, and then um, just tried to implement that. And then, um, yeah, from that point, I think we've we really tried to get our prep right. And I think um, I think we have. 
Uh, it's one of the longest winning streaks in the history of the club, which is you know remarkable for such a successful club like the Brumbies. So, wh- can you just explain how much belief there is at the club, and 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 yeah, what what you think you can do in the finals now? Yeah, I think um, it sort of grows each week. Each week it's been growing, and um, sort of from from that loss, and then we sort of we won a few games and started growing then we won a few more and then the team really started to sort of believe themselves and and sort of back our game not so much our game plan but just the ability that we have and I think that's what something that we, we sort of went away from but it's just our strengths and um, just believing in ourselves and believing in our teammates that we can really do good things when we um when we sort of back ourselves and we go for it so that's been the main thing is this um sort of finding different ways to Sort of test teams out, and then and looking to looking to um yeah um sort of looking to just not be sort of a one trick team, which is, I think some people thought we were at the start, but uh, look look for other ways to sort of test teams out. And I think as a team we've we've done that really well, and then we've just got to look to look to keep growing, and then because obviously we're going to come up against some um, tough opponents in the next few weeks, so we've just got to keep keep looking to improve. We'll speak about those opponents in a moment, um, but Tom, on the weekend, a impressive victory in the end over over the Reds, um, but afterwards. Uh, you were joined by the class from some many years ago um, in the in the team dressing shed, singing the song with um, the teammates of of, uh, of Sean Mackay's who, who so tragically passed away what a decade ago or so. Um, can you just talk to us about what that feeling was like to be surrounded by so many um, past players, particularly? Yeah, I think. Um it's something that the Brumbies, Brumbies harp, out, harp on about a lot. It's just the, the culture you find down here. And, and it's, I think you see it a lot when you sort of see a team from 10 years ago and, and sort of see how close they are and still are and see how much they keep in contact, which is, I think, it's what footy is all about. I think the, the mates you make here are for life. And they, the, the, how close that group was, it really um, sort of brought inspira- brought our inspiration to um, to a lot of the boys and just sort of, sort of put it in perspective um, – I guess uh, I guess footy and life, and I think uh, it was just really eye-opening to to see how how close everyone still was. Yeah, and and clearly that's continued with uh, with the current group. You can just tell that there's, you know, every time we sort of dip in and out of uh, Brumby's HQ, there's obviously a really good feeling amongst the current group at the moment. I want to ask you about uh, a couple of the guys. Um, probably pre-season we wouldn't have been talking about as stars of the team. They would have been important players, but not necessarily as one of the prime movers of the team. But guys like um, Lockie McCaffrey, for example, Jerome Brown, even Tom Wright at times over the last couple of weeks, they've bobbed up and they've been absolute superstars. Has that been one of the biggest bonuses for you guys this year to to have guys who, who may not have been considered top flight at the start of the year, but are on their way to be considered that right now. Yeah, I think that's something we've, we've really tried to drive the team. It's just when players go out, we need to have quality players to step in. And I think you look at someone like Jerome, um, he's, he hasn't played much uh, much professional footy, but he's come in and he's done a, done a hell of a job for, for us when he's when he's been needed to. So, yeah, that's a, that's a sort of, I guess that's a credit to the coaching staff and then and the boys to... Um, to sort of step up to that level. And you look at um, sort of Lockie and, and Tom, they're, they're just quality players all around. And I think um, Lockie's someone that really stands out is just his leadership and his, he's probably not the, he's the, be the first to tell he's not the strongest or the fastest, but he's, he just reads the game so well and he, he's just 
it's such a good guy to have out there because he, he can understand the game and he, he knows how to make breaks and set up other people, which is which is hard for a back row to do. What about your own personal form, Tommy? You've had good, consistent game time this year, and um, unfortunately, the front row has been scoring probably more tries than you, which is <laughs> remarkable scenes. But, but are you are you happy with how you're rounding out your game? Are, are there still things that you you're really focusing on as, as we get to the pointy end of the season? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think at the start of the season, something I really wanted to drive was consistency, and um, I, I think at times I probably fell away from that uh, during the middle of the year, but. Um, I think as a team and, and for me personally, I guess, so we've, um, towards the end of the season and our, our sort of good performances, um, it's been helping me a lot. But um, as I said, it's it's all about the team at this point in time. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's all about the team. And if, if I can... Um, if I can help in any way in that, um, I'll be happy to. What about um, this call, which has become louder over the last few weeks, and certainly from some of our experts here at Fox Rugby, the the belief that the Brumbies absolutely deserve to be rewarded for their form when it comes to Wallaby selection is there that also is there also that belief within the group the the belief that you know you really should be recognised for what you guys have managed to achieve in Super Rugby so far this year? Um, yeah, I, I definitely think um, of, of a strong performance uh, as a club and uh, as an organisation that um, that surely has to lead into um, uh, lead into that uh, later in the Wallaby selections, but um. We're probably not thinking too much about that as a as a team at the moment, but um, when when you sort of when you got players stepping up each week and uh, as a, I guess our forwards and some of our backs has been, it's um you surely can't ignore them uh, ignore them too much. Uh, Dan, Dan spoke just uh, recently about the idea of not changing too much um, now that you're in the finals. Is that very much the same way? Because clearly you've you've made the, the quarters, um, what, 2016, 2017, you made the quarters, but not, not last year. So what um, what's going to be different about this year? Um, I think probably in 2017 we were, uh, we were pretty happy to – Pretty happy to make the quarters, and um, I sort of felt as a team we were, we were happy to get there. But um, this year, I think anything but a but a title, I think we'll be disappointed by. And I think when you look at some of the some of the players in our team and some of the boys last year, they're, they're going to be here. We really want to send them out with um, something they deserve, especially with people like Christian and and Rory. Like we really need to set him out of a good note. I think anything less than a title would be would be disappointing. Yeah, we're, we're going to mention about Christian. Obviously, the uh, the announcement yesterday that he's hanging up, well, he's leaving Super Rugby and going to Japan. Just how big a uh, role and impact has he had on, on the entire club? Yeah, I think um, um, yeah, ever since I got down here my first year, he was unfortunately sick, but then he sort of, took, uh, sort of came in towards the end of the year and... Um, uh, he's he's a class bloke and he's a class player and I think he's from what he's done on the field this week uh, this year he, he's sort of led us around um, he's been he's been unbelievable but uh, yeah and then to go back on the sort of bloke he is when he announced it uh, you could see how much how much respect and and just uh, uh, how much he means to this team and this organisation so yeah it's it's a massive loss but that's why we really want to really want to send him out on a high. And you got the Sharks, uh, obviously. Um, how much work have you done on, on them at the moment? How do you think you match up against them and, and what will be the tactics to beat them, do you think? Um, yeah, we, we've, done a, we've done a little bit of review this week, but I think we've tried to focus on our game. 
we sort of know what they're going to bring with their, their strong ball carriers and they've got a bit of pace out wide. But we sort of we sort of know that if we muscle up out front and that we sort of get over get over the top of them in the forward pack that they'll lay a good platform for platform for us in the back. So that's what we try to try to stress this week. Just uh, beat them up front and then we uh, we'll be able to smoke them um, out wide, I guess. Um, <laughs> love, love the confidence. That's outstanding. Um, you haven't played them this year. Would you rather play a team uh, in a final that you haven't played this year? Um, yeah. Or, or would you rather know a bit more about what's coming your way? Um, I guess it doesn't matter too much. I, I guess it's always nice to play some because so you, you know what they're like. But uh, for us, it doesn't change too much. I think that's something we've really tried to drive in the last few weeks is just focusing on ourselves. Because if we do play our game and sort of not to worry, not worry too much about them, I think that things go well for us. So again, it doesn't really change too much. But um, just trying to. Yeah, trying to focus on ourselves. Tom, all you need to do is just keep on doing what you've been doing because it's uh, it's working for the Brumbies. It's been terrific to watch over the last uh, over the last six weeks. Um, and yeah, good luck on on Saturday night. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Th- thanks, Tom. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, mate. Happy Cheers. birthday, mate. That'd be a nice birthday present for Tom Banks if uh, the Brumbies were able to knock off the Sharks on uh, what we expect is going to be a, a chilly Saturday night. In Canberra, what do you make of the Sharks? They only just scraped through, trying the eighty-second minute against the Stormers the other night or Sunday morning our time. It was Test match intensity. It, it reminded me very much of a, of a Springboks game. There was a lot of kicking involved, tactical kicking, low point scoring, just a few penalties in it until until the the try. What fifteen phases into extra time? Mm. It was remarkable the game. Yeah, it was also a pretty dour affair. I, I think it won't scare the Brumbies too much. But, no. yeah, like, you're right. They are some big boys and it, it, it's bruising. And Lucan, you are, he's a very, very good player, him and uh, Esther Hazen in the centres. That'll be one real threat, I think, for the Brumbies. But, yeah, some some big outs uh, for the Sharks. Uh, the Beast and Terrorera, I don't think I've got that name quite right, but he's he's out Close injured. And, uh, and Jean-Luc Dupre as well, um, the Springboks back rower, hasn't travelled with the team. So two massive outs. Kerwin Bosch, though, has travel, I think, so that's a big in if he comes up to play. Yeah, he's he's a, a great young attacking threat and it, well, he was shifted from full-back to fly half midway through the year. And, and they were a much better side as a result. Yeah, yeah. and they, they knocked down the Tars and they did fairly well over in New Zealand with a draw against what, the Crusaders and then they only just lost to the Chiefs. But the point about the, the Sharks' midfield off the back of how the Brumbies defended Samu Karevi, which I thought was really well done, uh, that will give them some confidence about how you go about taking down the Sharks' yeah, super-sized midfield. Yeah. So. For, for people that haven't been following the Sharks, they've had a pretty bizarre season, really. They're up and down, some great results, as you touched upon, and then some really mediocre ones, some poor ones as well. So the for those that don't know, they're, they're coached by uh, Robert Dupreer, whose son Robert is in the team as uh, the two twins, uh, Jean-Luc and Dan Dupreer, and he's been accused of nepotism throughout the season of, of picking Robert at, at times at 10 and then and then pushing Kerwin Bosch and others to, to fall back. And, and Robert Jr.'s had a bit of a shocking season, and there's been... Uh, all sorts of uh, fun and games between between the coaching mm. staff and the media, and he's he's calling the media cockroaches. And um, this is a this is after the team made the finals, and um, it was it was all go. So yeah, I, I get the feeling they're uh, they're very much a uh, backs against the wall, um, us against the world world type team um, coming over to Canberra now. So are you, are you two going to be complicit in <laughs> in continuing on that that tone of reporting on 
on the Sharks and, you know, just getting up his nose a little bit on behalf of the Brumbies? Oh, look, I think if I'm, a, I'm an honorary New South Welshman, I'll call myself a cockroach for, for the time that um, <laughs> Robert's in the country. I'll, I'll take one for the team. What about you, Christy? Uh, yeah, 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 let's go with that. They're indestructible cockroaches. Mm, apparently. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll find out on Sunday, won't we? Um, now, just quickly, uh, what is going to happen on Saturday night in Canberra? Who's going to win? Uh, you'd, you'd have to think the Brumbies are in great form and uh, as long as they don't go away from what they've been doing, their tight fives in, in great form and their back rows, just about the hardest working back row in the competition almost, not, um, not necessarily the most talented, but they're supremely hard working and, uh, yeah, I think that they, they should come away with a win and, and being acclimatised to the cold conditions, it's not quite what they would have had on the weekend in Cape Town, which was pure sunshine. So, mm, All right. Um, now, just let's uh, let's... Just go on the sidetrack for a moment. There's a great thing happening that uh, that Justin Harrison and his uh, classic Wallabies have put together uh, over the next few weeks. It's been going a, a week or so. And that is the uh, the gold-blooded tour where they are travelling around and, and spreading the gospel of, uh, of Australian rugby, um, all parts of, uh, of Australia. Let's get a chat with Justin Harrison. Justin Harrison, welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast. What part of Australia are you in at the moment? You've been all over the shop the last couple of weeks. Yeah, look, we've been we've been geographically pretty challenged at the moment. Sixty-one day tour of the gold plotted um, momentum into the World Cup, and very happy to be engaging with rural Australia. You know, the the rugby the rugby energy and the rugby lifeblood is certainly very alive and well and the best part about it is not not so many people get to mix with national past national players and we're certainly enjoying that part of it you've been doing some great things since you arrived back in the country as uh, as the head of the classic wallabies uh, so you're starting in the northern territory last week just the, the philosophy behind the tour what what do you hope to achieve oh look it's really simple i think it's you know, all part of a, rug, a rugby community and and, and, a, and there's a golden thread running through us all and the, and the theme is gold bladded and all those hashtags that everyone gets nice and nice and agitated about but certainly just reminding people that top to bottom bottom to top everyone's part of a wonderful journey and once you embark on a rugby decision you're never out of it and for small moments in time everyone shares a story and, and, and that never leaves you until you stop sort of being upright um, so it's great it's great to see people that are putting just as much energy into rugby as the top end of, of, of town and, and reminding communities that abs- absolutely the binding agent is rugby union and the wonderful family that you're a part of. Absolutely. It's a great story that's happening out there. Um, Justin Christie here. Um, what, what's, what's been the, the highlight or the, the, the thing that's taken you most by, um, oh, maybe not Storm, but like what, what's, what, what's one of the stories that you can tell us so far from where you've been? Oh, look, I think, I think just the joy, the joy in the faces of people and kids and mums and dads and boys and girls that engage in that rugby community and the binding agent that sport has, and particularly rugby. It's a genuinely global sport that we've got. Australia is a magnificent achiever on the global stage from a Wallaby point of view, but certainly community rugby as well. It's not sexy to write about, but community rugby, every community we've been into has got a wonderful history and tapestry of involvement with rugby, and that's very much the, the the thing that keeps that community alive and the energy going through all of the people from from junior through to senior. 
in, in some of these remote regions, is the is the game maybe healthier than we than we realise out there in places? Obviously, every every place you visit's different. But what I mean, what what's the sort of feeling around the health of the game in some of these regions? Oh, I think the thing that struck me uh, is the positivity around it. People aren't interested in in the, in the top end high performance stuff. Certainly, we want to win more Bledisloe's and World Cups, and that's absolutely the, the objective with the Wallabies. But community rugby is very strong, and nearly every community we've been in are telling us about more and more people coming to play rugby and more and more people benefiting from that journey and that decision point to embark on what is a lifelong uh, journey in, in, as part of the rugby family. And, Gug, where's the tour heading over the next week or so? Well, look, there's South Australia starting in NT, down South Australia, through Victoria, down to Tasmania, uh, back up through Victoria to sort of eastern seaboard, Queensland, and then across to Perth. So there's every sort of, every part of domestic Australia is being touched by the journey. And, and you know, look, it's not about necessarily finding the next wallaby, but just letting people know that there's a golden thread that binds us all and we're all part of a fantastic community that deserves to be rewarded with some presents. Nicely done, mate. Well done. Uh, we'll talk to you soon and good luck with the rest of the tour. Thanks very much. Looking forward to getting home. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah, Cheers. Bye-bye. Justin Harrison joining us on the Fox Rugby podcast and um, you know, it, it is uh, part of his role as, as the head of uh, the Classic Wallabies that he get involved in that. But I want to pay tribute to um, a lot of those uh, former Wallabies. Well, once a Wallaby, always a Wallaby, but for, for the purpose of the conversation, former Wallabies, old Wallabies. They're, they do a lot of great work. It's not only this tour. Uh, they do coaching sessions around the country. They go and help with uh, charity lunches in, in far-flung places all over Australia. Once, once they wear that gold jersey, there's a great sense of responsibility uh, that they continue on for, well, for a lot of them for the rest of their lives. It's almost the equivalent of what you see with the AFL odds kick programs that go around and you have people come around to schools and that's what exactly the Classic Wallabies are doing mm. and getting around to remote, particularly remote communities, but but even that in, in city life too. But, yeah, it's fantastic and Hoylesey's done a, a lot of it over, over the last couple of years and has been very active in it too. So uh, lots of good work being done. No doubt about it. Now... The under-20s, uh, and Sammy, you managed to get a chat with uh, with Jason Gilmore, the under-20s coach, and as we mentioned at the top, they are going from strength to strength, having worked their way uh, through the tournament and now into the final. Yeah, and, and they're just continuing on a, an amazing season. Um, they obviously burst onto everyone's radar when they kept New Zealand scoreless and, and won the Oceania tournament. Um, we've seen Isaac Lucas at times um, show his potential in Super Rugby with the Reds, and yeah, they're just the real deal. Uh, the, their back row in particular is, is phenomenal with uh, the captain, Fraser McWright, and um, yeah, they've, they've come through pretty much with a clean bill of health by the sounds of it, and uh, I, I think they're, they're red-hot favourites to, to knock over France all going well. Yeah, talk about Fraser McWright. He is. Uh, that's a name that Greg Martin has been talking about for years since he was right. since he was a a kid, like 13, 14. I remember Marto saying, you, you watch this kid, he's going to be something, you know. And, and a couple of times throughout the season, he'd say, oh, you know, I, I, know, I know I've talked about him before, but he's going to be he's going to be something special. And it seems like uh, that is coming to pass with Fraser McWright. Talent scout Greg Martin, he's mm. not, not just a pretty face. He's I like that. Got it's, an eye for he's it. He's got, got his finger on the pulse. Yeah, he's, uh, I think he won four or five turnovers this morning, just immense over the ball. So, uh, But it's, even, it's, even his ball that he set up for one of the tries where Donaldson kicked ahead, like he's, he Skills. looks like a complete player. Yeah. All right. Um, so that chat earlier today with Jason Gilmore, here it is with Sam. 
Now joining us on the Fox Rugby podcast all the way from Rosario, a very happy Junior Wallabies coach, Jason Gilmore. Jason, congratulations on an amazing performance in that semi-final. Nah, thanks, Sam. It was, uh, it was pleasing to get through that one. Pretty dramatic uh, build-up as well. There was uh, lightning and, and really heavy rain as well, and the game actually got delayed, didn't it? Yeah, it certainly uh, had a few curveballs thrown at us today. Um, we saw the weather forecast uh, early on was meant to be showers and thunderstorms when we turned up to the ground. Uh, the New Zealand-Wales game had actually been 20 minutes in, and um, they had to stop the game and clear the crowd out. And we didn't have a kick-off time, and... Um, we just had to play a lot of things by ear, but um, but the boys are really good. They cope with everything really nicely. Yeah, and, and the leadership of the team does seem superb at the moment with Fraser McWright uh, coming across very well in, in interviews. Well, what's he like as a as a captain for you, Jason? Oh, probably just what what you see um, with his interviews. He's uh, he's a very confident lad. Um, he doesn't take things uh, too seriously. He's got a really nice balance between when to switch on for his footy and when to switch off. Um, and, and he's just a really good bloke. He uh, he's really keen to do well here, uh, and he's well respected by the players and the staff. And you don't seem to like playing with fifteen men, do you? Um, making hard work of it from from that respect. What was going through your mind when when you know that, that could have been a bit of a turning point right on half time? Yeah, it's probably been the nature of the tournament at the moment. If yep. you have a look at how many red cards have been handed out across the tournament, it's probably rare at this tournament that. There's not a red card in the game, which is a bit of a shame um, when it's a World Cup in place. So, obviously, we had plenty of practice in that last game with with 14 men, and um, you know we played with 14 men for 50 minutes today. But the boys handled it really nicely, and you know red red cards these days aren't an excuse um, for poor performance, and the boys really got up for it, which was nice. Yeah, I think you mentioned it in another interview. Um, you know, clearly everyone wants the game to be as safe as possible, but you feel that um, things have maybe gone a little bit too far with the, the crackdown, some of these some of these incidents? Yeah, I do. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm all for protecting the boys, particularly with um, concussion and head knocks and that type of stuff. You certainly don't want to put them in jeopardy, but um, if you look at the way that the tournament's been officiated compared to any of the professional tournaments around the world, it's probably been a lot harsher here and um, if you look at the suspensions that are coming off the back of the red cards, which are pretty much nil, um, it probably makes a question whether those red cards um, are warranted in the first place. But look, it is what it is, and, and that's the way they're officiating the tournament. you just got to adapt to it. And to keep Argentina scoreless in the second half with 14 men, that um, that defensive grit seems to be what this team's built on, uh, obviously keeping New Zealand scoreless earlier in the season and, and, yeah, just some really strong defensive efforts throughout this campaign. Yeah, the boys have been excellent. I think we went three test matches without a point scored against us and uh, we're really disappointed with how we defended against England in that first half. Um, even though we lost Paddy early, we knew that wasn't us in the second half. We defended a lot better and um, if you look at today, apart from the penalty trial, which is probably a little bit dubious with Maka holding the guy up, um, they didn't actually cross our line and it was definitely something that the boys wanted to do today was um, really show what they're about with their defence, which they did. Yeah, and we spoke to you after that Oceania campaign and, um, yeah, you, you you know, you were keeping things really level and, and making it clear that this was the big target, the world the world champs. It seems like a very focused, hungry, determined group. Um, obviously only the second world championship final that uh, an Australian team has made. So uh, th- there's no, no partying going on in Rosario tonight by the sounds of it. No, the, the boys have been excellent. We... Um, we came together in January and, and we set ourselves three goals and 
Um, we achieved one of those with Oceania and the next one um, is to win the World Cup and uh, the boys are really good, like they're really focused, but they also know when to when to switch off and enjoy each other's company and that type of thing. But uh, they're a really hungry group, and um, you know I was lucky enough to be a part of the 2010 campaign with Australia when we made the finals, and you know we got pretty close that day, but played uh, played a red hot New Zealand side, so they're not easy to come by these World Cup finals. So we certainly want to make the most of it. And you look back at the history of the tournament, um, you know some of the teams that have been successful at this level. There's a strong correlation, isn't there, between success at, at a senior level with you know a, a core of these teams can can go on to play Test football. For their country, did you see something special there? They're brewing. I'd, I'd, you probably don't want to get carried away with media words like "golden generation" and stuff, but clearly it's quite a special group you're working with. Yeah, they're, they're a really good group of young men, and um, you know, no doubt a lot of these guys will transfer into Super Rugby over the next couple of years and onto the Wallabies. But I think we just what we've got to make sure that we do is be patient with them as well. And you know, that's, for some of them, they're probably two, three years away from. Uh, been dominant in Super Rugby, and we just got to watch that we just don't pitchfork them in the professional environments, uh, and then we judge them like they should be a five-year veteran at Super Rugby, and then we spit them out at the other end. Um, you know, these boys are certainly great footballers, but there's still a lot of work to do with them mentally and, and, and with their skills and with their physical attributes as well. And I'm sure you don't want to single anyone out too much, but uh, I think anyone watching the games can see that the back row in particular has been really impressive um, You know, throughout Oceania and now the World world Champs as well. It's a pretty nice mix of, of uh, skill set that you've got there, isn't it? Yeah, and they, they complement each other um, really nicely, particularly that starting back row. Um, you know, they've played a lot of minutes. Uh, that have been outstanding from Oceania through the World Cup, which is what we expect them as well. But I think if you look at what's coming off the bench in that back row, that shows the real calibre um, of what we've got. We've got Carla Chizano coming in at seven, uh, Paddy Taufa, S.A. Hangana, S.A.'s played Super Rugby this year. Um, we've certainly got a lot of depth in that position. And unfortunately, Michael McDonald, who copped the two yellow cards today, he'll be unavailable for the final. Um, but you're confident that, uh, yeah, that the the guys can, can fill uh, the gap left by him? Yeah, Rob, Rob was outstanding today, coming off the bench, and he played a full game against England. Um, Mac is not suspended yet. We've still got to go to judiciary, right. um, which will fight that chap, because I thought um, both of those tackles were probably a little bit unlucky. The first one, you know, the Argentinian winger jumps into the tackle and Mac goes low, so apart from missing the tackle, I'm not sure what else he can do there. And the second one just seemed to be equal ball and all tackle to hold him up. But, um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the way the, ref- the tournament's being refereed, um, those ones are probably coming under the spotlight. So we'll, we'll just see how we go with Michael over the next couple of days. And what about the rest of the squad? No doubt there's the usual bumps and bruises. Um, and you've got Will Harrison, of course, who missed today through concussion. So what's the what's the health of the, the squad uh, in general? Yeah, the boys are really good. It's obviously a big tournament. Um, five games in a short period of time. So most teams are probably a bit tired and a bit battered at the moment. But um, we're lucky we get... Will Bat, Tristan Riley, and, and Pat Taffer comes back for suspension, so we'll, we'll have the full squad available. And France in the final now, of course, defending champions, and um, you probably haven't done a lot of homework on them yet, have you? That that'll come in the in the next few days. Yeah, we've kept a little bit of an eye on them the, the last couple of cycles. Once we hit the finals, and we started to work out who potentially we could play. Um, really exciting. They won up last year really nicely. We've got a few boys backing up. Uh, they had a really good win against South Africa uh, today in pretty muddy conditions. 
Um, so it's certainly going to be a big game and one we're looking forward to. And I'm sure you're well aware of the, I guess, the opportunity to, you know, people are, are loving the, the good news story um, back home. And I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of, you know, this is a chance to get rugby into the into the headlines for all the right reasons after after some negative stuff throughout the year. Yeah, it, it's really nice. The game's really gone through a bit of a tough time the last you know, 12, 18 months and, you know, at times it's probably an easy game to kick when it's down a little bit, but I, I think what those boys have done has shown that um, there is hope and, and there's a lot of talent coming through our system at the moment and we've just got to embrace uh, what we've got and, and make sure that we make the most of it. Yeah, I know you were delighted to get better access to the guys um, throughout the year from the Super Rugby programs as well. Um, is, is that... I mean, there was the incident where Isaac Lucas could have played for the Reds, but uh, but joined you guys in training camp as well. That was a pretty clear sign that Rugby Australia is putting a real emphasis on on this program. Is that um, that must have been big for you guys? And, and do, do you think that's uh, I guess sustainable going forward? That that um, that they continue to put that big emphasis on the twenties program? Yeah, I think the big one there is just as long as everyone's on the same page. And uh, Rugby Australia at the back end of last year. Uh, had a policy in place which all the teams agreed to in writing and um, you know that you can still get a little bit of niggle um, both ways in terms of player access but uh, when it's put forward up front to all the clubs and, and to our program everyone knows where they stand with it um, so from that point of view it's it's been pretty clear um, and the second one is if, if you need a good football team the boys have to have a good combination and the only way you get combination is spending time together and now, last year, we had three lads come in midway through the tournament against New Zealand. But they've never trained with the team before and you're expecting them to win and they've only got a session under their belt and performances like that just don't happen. So I think what this year's shown is when you've got access to the players and they've got time together, um, you can actually build those combinations. And as we saw today, when you play with 14 men for 50 minutes, if you don't have those combinations, that, that performance today doesn't happen. All right, and so what's the plan over the next few days? You do have a, a reasonable gap um, before the final now. Um, uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's obviously a trip of a lifetime for these guys being in, a, in a, an exciting new country, but they've got a, a job to do. Is it getting the mix between, I guess, um, a bit of downtime and, and just it'd be more about um, about game plan rather than working them too hard on the training field, I imagine? Yeah, exactly, Sam. It's more about freshening the boys up mentally and physically this week, so we'll go into recovery tomorrow with a bit of game review from today uh, we'll jump back on the training field uh, the following day into a rest day and then into our captain's run but we we'll just want to make sure that we're short on the field but really sharp and, and have quality sessions leading to the final Fantastic Jason, hey uh, thanks very much congratulations again and I know you've got huge support um, here from Australia so all, all the best for the final and thanks again for joining us on the, on the Fox Rugby Podcast no, appreciate appreciate everyone's support back home as well. The boys love it. Good man, Jason. Go well. Thanks, Sam. Well, Jason Gilmore there, and uh, he's at his understated best over there in, in Argentina. Um, obviously well aware of what's at stake. Yeah, great to hear him, I guess, be fully cognizant of the, of the fact what an opportunity they, they do have to be a really good news story um, for Australian rugby. So, you know, they know what they're playing for, no doubt about it. And they they just seem really, really focused, laser focused over there. And um, they've had a lot of adversity, um, a lot of a lot of cards um, has been the theme of the tournament, but they seem to almost play better when, when they lose a man. Um, it's not something I'm sure they want to repeat in the final, but they, they were down to 14 right on half time. The mm-hmm. penalty try, Argentina down by only three points. The crowd 
crowd going crazy. Um, the, the weather conditions pretty pretty crazy. Argentina would have thought we're you know we're probably favourites here, but instead Australia just said no. Um, kept playing rugby, kept playing attacking rugby, and, and blew them away. So yeah, they are they are quite a special team, I think. Their ball skills are amazing. Considering that there was a fair bit of rain around, they were playing from the get go, and you, you almost I almost just thought watching them that they, they would probably be a bit more defensive. Uh, how they set up, but no, not at all. Playing on that synthetic uh, surface, I think some of the other games played today were absolute uh, mud mud baths. But um, yeah, they they obviously assessed the conditions and thought we could still throw it around, and, and they did. So yep. yeah, fair play. And uh, that final, of course, will be uh, on Fox Sports. So looking forward to that. Now, um, just before we leave you, I guess it's worth uh, having a look at uh, you know who's still in the hunt and and what we think might happen on the weekend, beginning on Friday evening with uh, the Crusaders and the Highlanders, the, the South Island derby. Can the Highlanders make an impact on the Crusaders? Oh, I'm probably being a bit naive here. Maybe it's a bit of wishful thinking, but I, I really think the Highlanders can, can go pretty close here. They've got a lot to play for. I think Ben Smith will come back. Um, they'll be desperate not to make it his final game. Um, and, yeah, they've got enough quality there to, to really test the Crusaders but yeah the Crusaders have had the week off that that you know that doesn't always end up being a good thing for, for some teams so look um, you'd be a brave man to actually pick them but I, I think at the very least the Highlanders will go close what is it 27 or 28, 28 I think, yeah, yeah. They're, they're unbeaten at someone, home the Crusaders someone knock them over come yeah, on please any team though with Aaron <laughs> with Aaron Smith is, is yeah, going to be a threat guys like that you're a chance aren't you mm, and uh, more action in Argentina they are getting a a feast of rugby at the moment. That's on uh, Saturday morning, the, the Jags and the Chefs, the Jaguares and, and the Chiefs from Hamilton. So if there's a Buenos team... Aires, the Buenos Aires, Aires. yeah, yeah. It's um, a suburb of yeah. Hamilton. No, no, I said the Chiefs <laughs> from, from Hamilton. Oh, Hamilton. Hamilton, Hamilton Sammy. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and uh, if there's a, a team in Super Rugby at the moment uh, with the momentum and, and the form and the belief to, to maybe uh, have a crack at the Jags at the moment... Maybe the Chiefs are the team to do it. The Chiefs from Hamilton. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll be. Uh, <laughs> it's good. It's good, Nick. I don't think they'll be uh, daunted by that experience. They're having the time of their lives. I think just keeping this uh, journey going on. So you, you you feel like they'll you know run out of puff at some stage because they've been having to lift for a final every single week, and, and the Jags are, are just laying in wait um, up up in whatever Jag was uh, laying wait in the caves. We're we talking caves, laying in wait. Yeah. No? In the bush, somewhere. in the bush, yeah. yeah. So look, I, I, the, I don't, I don't think, Amazon I don't think they'll be daunted by the trip at all. And um, great news with uh, no South Africans getting a home uh, home quarter final because it means we've got all these games in uh, pretty good time zones yes. to watch. We can we can get up uh, Saturday morning, isn't it? About eight yep. a.m. roughly for that one. So yep. can it's, we? It's all good. Sam Kane, he is just such an immense player. Good having him and Brody Retallick. Yeah, Retallick, back. yeah. Um, the two of them make the world of difference. So they are certainly... Jack Chibrosini doing his thing. So yep. Yeah, yep. good to have him on last week. The Canes and, and the Bulls. This is remarkable for the Bulls. They've just really only returned a short time ago from Australia and New Zealand. From from a good tour of Australia and New Zealand, yeah. must be said. Yeah, played well. they come back what, for only a week mm. and then they're back on the road to New Zealand. That's catching up with them, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's a rough <laughs> schedule. But uh, I think they'll be able to lift for this one at, at the very least. Um, They've travelled pretty well in recent times, the Bulls. Um, it was, you know, for, for a long time, South African teams really struggled. But the, the, for whatever reason, they seem to have got the formula right, as as have the Jaguars. So, yeah, we've, you know, as we said, with Aaron Smith playing for the Highlanders, got, you've got guys like Andre Pollard at, at 10 in those 
key positions, then that just makes the world of difference. So, yeah, clearly Kane's favourites, but I, I think I think all four games this weekend um, will be pretty pretty decent. Yep, um, and the Brumbies and the Sharks, we talked about that, and uh, everybody thinking that the Brumbies can continue Make sure you get out there. Canberra on on Saturday night, get out there. Minus five, doesn't matter. Get out there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've checked. I think it's zero. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's a a mild, mild evening in Canberra. Um, No, it it is going to be a lot of fun and the Brumbies are on the charge. Remember last year they almost made it? Like they really were on a roll and and they had a bit of form, didn't quite make it because the results earlier in the season hadn't stacked up. But uh, it's just a feeling that maybe their, their time has come. Well, I guess they're the form team in the whole competition, aren't they? There's one off, yeah, yeah. Well, no one's had a winning streak longer than that. So, yeah, the, the, I mean, Dan McKellar, we had him last week, and he's he's talking tough. He's not uh, not phased by these big teams. So, yeah, I'd be staggered if they didn't take care of business against the Sharks. One thing's for certain, I think the Crusaders are going to – it's going to be more difficult for them this year because although they finish first, if they're going to come up against – if the Hurricanes beat the Bulls, looks like those two teams will come up against what, one another the, mm. the following week. And then uh, who knows who – host the final, maybe the Crusaders, but teams that are in form. So lots of options, lots of good footy ahead. Indeed. Uh, Gents, thanks for your company and thank you for your company uh, on the Fox Rugby podcast. Get behind the Brumbies.